This is a Need 10 Media production. Hello, it's Nate Clayberg, and welcome aboard for this episode of That's a Job podcast. And on this show, we talk with professionals about jobs that many of us may have not known even existed and some jobs that we are familiar with, but we get to learn more about that work and the pathway and how to get there. In this episode, you get to meet Ian Evenstar. Along his career adventure, he found the nation's number one higher ed agency and became a design educator and a branding consultant. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Nate. It's wonderful to be here, and I'm hoping those listening get a little piece of inspiration along the way. <laughs> that's that's always a good goal to have. But let's look at at, at you as a young, aspiring uh, high school senior. Graduation's knocking, next steps are lurking. What did you think you would be doing? What was your next path leaving high school? What did, what, what did you think you'd be doing with your life? Yeah, well, I think at an early age, even uh, going back a, a few years before high school, um, I had a, a memory that that stuck out as I was trying to answer that question, you know, where to go next and, and what to, to make of my life. I had this memory of being in my mom's broken down VW bug with like rusted out side fenders. And every time that we would kind of drive around the neighborhood and do her chores, I would kind of hide in the passenger seat, like on the floor next to the floor mat. And when I would look up and peer out the window and I saw this billboard along the way and I had this epiphany, like, oh my gosh, someone actually like thought of this billboard, designed this billboard, came up with the messaging. It was there. I say like almost a sign from God, right? A sign from the heavens. Yeah. No pun intended. In the no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or pun intended. Yeah. And yeah, right out, right out of high school, I thought, you know, I, I want to pursue something in the arts. I had been studying architecture uh, for two or three years in high school, kind of part of the, you know, specialized kind of advanced uh, elective courses. And I went into college with the idea that I would be in architecture, um, but I later found my way to the art school and remembered this vision that I had of, of potentially going into advertising and designing billboards. Well, when you look at that pathway of looking at the interest in, in art or design or architecture, were there some people you talked to, maybe leaned on within the high school, other people that you knew maybe had some of that? had done some of that work or jobs? Did, did you talk to them about what that world could be as far as, uh, as working? Not, not directly, not specifically. I came more from a place of like, honestly, pure survival. So I grew up very poor. Uh, I moved around a lot with my mother. And I remember, you know, times this was like maybe sixth, seventh grade, living in New York city and like sleeping in a bathtub wow. <laughs> because there was no place for me to like rest my head. Uh, top ramen was also like, you know, you could get 10 packs for a dollar. So I remember like hunting through and trying to find like 10 cents just to, to have something to eat for the day, going a couple days on end, not eating. And this, this um, kind of survival that was built into my upbringing led me to believe that education was really the only way that I was going to survive. And so when I landed in high school, day one, I committed to myself. I said, look, I'm not going to be able to compete financially with you know my social circle. I'm not going to be able to compete 
you know, on, on kind of the social status level with my peers, but with education, I will be able to compete. So to answer your question, I didn't have like that mentor, that guide within my family saying, Hey, have you ever thought about doing, you know, something in arts and culture or entertainment even, but I did have <laughs> the, I guess the blessing, you know, the, the, there's a great book, the gift of struggle. I had the blessing that I saw kind of the suffering and living low income, what reality that was. And I had the blessing to recognize in myself that I could escape that, that I could make necessary changes through high school and then into college to really es- escape out of that and, and you know, make a life and a career for myself. Well, I, I think there's a lot of students, especially in high school, that, that are drawn to the arts. And unfortunately, I feel like many get turned away from that or turned off from that. Um, and that, I, I guess I have to ask when you look at, it's almost like architecture is more of an accepted art path than other other avenues. Would you agree to that? Or have you seen some of that? You know, you're very intuitive. In fact, architecture was, you know, thinking back, and I'm actually just having this realization now, thinking back to seeing the billboard in the sky and then thinking, okay, what is that elective that I'm going to pick up in high school? Art was an elective, but I actually ended up choosing architecture because it did feel more stable. It probably felt like, oh, there is a better career opportunity. And again, driven by this need or this desire to escape poverty, I thought, oh, let me go for like, you know, the, the, the wiser choice. Now I got, you know, straight A's finished second in my class, ended up getting a full scholarship to USC, which is a part of, you know, my, my trajectory, a big part of my, my history. And my parents didn't pay for any, anything, any aspect of college. And I was in to the second year, this is like year and a half. So second year of college studying architecture at USC, because it was the wise thing to do to your point, you know, a lot safer than art. And I, I just realized, Hey, this isn't for me. This doesn't feel right. It feels too structured. It feels too mathematical. Like I'm going to make a change. I'm going to go and apply to the art school. Didn't have a portfolio, never, you know, did anything with a camera or a paintbrush or even a pencil uh, other than drafting and mechanical drawing. And I switched. I remember calling my dad and telling my dad, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to switch my program. And I'll never forget it. This was the most upset and disappointed he's ever been in me in my life. And he said, I can't believe you're making all the wrong, the same decisions and all the wrong decisions that I made growing up. What are you doing? And I hung up the phone. I looked myself in the, you know, soul search in the mirror. And I said, well, dad's not paying for anything. This is my choice. Right. I'm going to go with it. And I trusted my gut, put together a portfolio. And, and luckily I was accepted into the art school uh, at the time. It's now art and design school, uh, but it was just purely a fine art school at the time. Yeah. You know, can you get into that of, you know, how, how did your dad compare what his choice was to, to, to that choice? But then you having the realization of, you know, this was you, you know, you didn't really have any other stakeholders, I guess, other than those that, uh, gifted you that scholarship to, to be accountable for talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So his dad was a banker and, you know, this is, I think it's called the, the greatest generation, right? So they, there was a lot of formality to how you approached education, how you approached your career. And his dad walked him into some of the best like investment banking 
career opportunities that were available at the time. And my dad turned it down. He and my mom were hippies, hence the name Evenstar, right? right? So they denounced that whole path and they chose their own adventure. And with that led to, I think, some of these financial decisions that created that reality for them. So raising a child without these means. And he, and he probably just empathized with me, honestly, you know, looking back, my, my dad's past now. So looking back at where he was coming from, he was probably just really concerned, like he had turned down those great banking opportunities that one day, if I wanted to have a family that I wasn't going to not only be able to provide for myself, but provide for others with an art degree, right? <laughs> like right. what job, right. who's going to pay you to do art? And, uh, you know, thankfully I got it right. And, and he was wrong in that case. Well, you took advantage of the opportunity and, and got that, got that scholarship, especially to a school like USC and pivoted the path into art, what were you thinking the end game was? Yeah. So the end game was to get at that point, it was just purely to get an internship. You know, once I had been accepted, right. Everything's kind of incremental. You look at this incremental growth strategy. And so it was always like next, next step, next foot in the, in front of the next, you know, and my, my goal honestly was just to get an internship because my wife, high school, sweetheart, she was transferring to USC. She was a year ahead of me. And she was going to be graduating before I graduated. So I I was thinking, okay, I really need to get an internship so that if we decide to move in together and she graduates, we'll actually have enough like combined income to sustain this. And I will have a a better chance of actually finding a career in the arts. So I just focused just on that, that goal. And I ended up getting the internship. And coincidentally, because I had switched from architecture to art, I was like 10 units shy of graduating and the agency, Bennett Novak, never forget the, the first, you know, first place that gave me a shot. They offered me a job it was for $19,000 a year. And I was like, I'll take it. I will take it. And not only will I take it, but I'm not going to finish my degree. Like that's how focused I was on trying to make this manifest and this, this happen. And yeah, I, I accepted the internship. I accepted the job. We ended up, you know, moving to West LA together, my wife and I. And I, uh, it took me years. It took me actually five years to get back to USC to finish that degree. And it happened to be an opportunity that was brought to me through an intern at the agency that I was working at. So talk about that of of giving that up, and and leaving. I guess leaving the that that scholarship is what happened to to go get that work and you know I was just I was looking up what they were paying you was not very livable especially in LA no. but you were following that passion and had an opportunity to take advantage of was there I guess take me through how you got back and and would you do it differently yeah so one of I don't know if um, your listeners will agree with this, but I do believe there's certain people that just show up in your life, call them angels, call them guides, call them what you will. And whatever the reason is that they appear, it's to help you grow or help you get to that next step. So this uh, young man, Jeff, he was at USC art school and he was interning at the agency, just like me, you know, a few years ago uh, at the time. And uh, we were really excited because we were we were doing something. This was like late 
you know, uh, like 98, 2000, early 2000s, basically, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. And the internet was just becoming a thing. And the agency hadn't figured out how to take the branding that they were doing for their clientele into an online environment. And they had accounts like uh, Halle Berry and Mark Wahlberg, a lot of like celebrity accounts. And I went to my boss and I, you know, this, this gentleman, Jeff, I said, look, we could build websites <laughs> and, and translate the advertising that we're doing in traditional media into a website, an online property. And, and, and my boss was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't know what this web thing is, but go ahead and try it. So Jeff and I ended up designing developing and publishing Mark Wahlberg's first website. And we started surfing. He and I were surf buddies. So we started surfing together. Long story short, Jeff left the agency to go work for USC. And about a year after that, after he left, he said, Ian, I've got this great opportunity at USC. Would you want to come and work for me? So I always tell my students, be nice to every single person that crosses your path. Really try to nurture that relationship because I have direct experience. Your intern, <laughs> right, may end up being your boss one day. And that's exactly what happened with the, uh, the tenure of this new job at USC. They give you up to, I think, like six, four to eight units, somewhere in that range, units for free. So selfishly, it was a downstep for me. I was going from an art director to a graphic coordinator position. So it was a down pedal in terms of title, but with that, I knew I was going to be able to finish my art and design degree. And it was all really thanks to Jeff and, and Mark Wahlberg's website. <laughs> so an art director, you know, I, I just look at titles and, you know, you, people see them listed wherever. What does an art director do? Or at least what did you do in that role uh, at Bennett Novak? Yeah. So it's... Um, I'm hesitating because it's variable, right? People describe these positions in different ways. But if I were to give you a standardized definition, I would say the typical trajectory for a creative professional in design and advertising usually follows a junior designer to a designer, to a senior designer, to a coordinator, maybe you skip that step, to an art director, and then to a creative director. And then there's things like executive creative director or chief creative officer kind of over and above that. A lot of people just stay as a designer, like a senior designer. We have senior designers who are perfectly happy at the senior designer level because they're executing, they're creating, they're continuing to, to you know, kind of clock in and out making things on their own. Whereas when you get to an art director level, you're now responsible for other people doing the execution. So you become more of a team lead and start managing other designers. And then from an art director to a creative director, you're now starting to meet more with the client and starting to think more about like the psychology of what you're designing, the messaging, and, and trying to put a little bit more leadership kind of at a, a higher, more strategic level. Now, some shops like Bennett Novak was a very small shop. So they, when they would go and pitch to their clients, they wouldn't want to say, oh, Ian Evenstar, he's our designer. It just made more sense, even though I didn't have many people reporting to me other than these interns, it made more sense for them to say, oh, this is our art director who's responsible for both design, execution, as well as managing the creative team. So you look at people who look at, I want to be an artist. And 
there's different variables and there's probably even some visions people have come to mind of starving artists and and what they're doing. But they're realistically, and, and we'll get more into this, there are pathways for those students uh, and people that are drawn to the creativity, to the design, to, you know, to those mediums that maybe people don't give them enough credit for, you know, just bringing that up again, there's pathways yeah. out there, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think more, more now than ever before design and just the act of creating, you know, if you're a visual communicator or creating media or content that has business purpose, business functionality. And I think it's more commonly recognized and seen that design moves business forward. Whereas when I was growing up and kind of, you know, moving through the ranks, design was kind of a, a less than art or a less than skill compared to say having a master's in business administration. Right. And, and with, um, I think there's, there's a great author, uh, Daniel Pink. He, he wrote the book, whole new mind and more successful designers out there and living in a gig economy now and entrepreneur. There's there have been all of these kind of evolutions in the marketplace that have basically substantiated the value of art, art making, design. And for that reason, because there's actual value, like business value behind it, I think that those careers are now more viable than they've ever been before. Well, you, you worked your way up through, uh, from that art director position back to campus, you know, uh, of Mark Wahlberg and Halle Berry to, to what, what were you doing for, for the University of Southern California uh, as that uh, eventually in a, a director of design role? What, what did that look like? What was, what was that work? Yeah. So th thankfully, again, Jeff, you know, he kind of blazed the trail for me once I was there at USC. Uh, when I was, so to, to kind of tie a, a loose end there on, on the experience at Bennett Novak, when I was at Bennett Novak, I had the chance to actually design and produce uh, an entire series, like across the entire LA marketplace, uh, billboards for, it was 92.3 The Beat. So it was a radio station. So I actually had the chance to realize that vision that I had at a young age of designing, producing, and then implementing not just one billboard, but I think we did like 150 billboards around the city. Wow. And it was cool because my concept was we're going to do the beat of, and we're going to make it site specific. So it's going to be like the beat of Compton, the beat of Silver Lake, the beat. And so people could, I didn't, people call it hype personalization now. I didn't realize that that was like a thing that I was like about to embark on, but I, I kind of hit that milestone and thought, okay, well, I've designed a billboard, a whole campaign. What's next? USC came, came next. And then working under Jeff and working my way kind of up the ranks of leadership at USC, I got to a point and to answer your question, what was that like? That was you know, working with the hospitality units. So like all the non-academic units, so hospitality, housing, bookstore, transportation, and helping them basically like their signage, the bookstore merchandise. We branded and, and launched a handful of like uh, restaurants and, and hospitality features on campus and off campus. And I was, I was busy at work, basically serving the university in terms of all creative services and branding needed. And on the, on the journey after Jeff, it was a year after Jeff left and I basically assumed his position. 
I was thinking, okay, well, how can I grow this department even further? So I started reaching out to the different academic units, School of Music, School of Communication, <laughs> Roski School of Fine Art and Design. And I started saying, hey, instead of us just doing the auxiliary services and branding and doing creative services for them, how about I help you and our team, our creative team here on campus, how about we help with uh, your academicals and your academic campaigns? Um, and so, you know, we launched commencement. We managed the campaign for that. We managed the uh, homecoming campaign. We, we helped the School of Music launch several programs. And the, the point I'm getting to is that that experience was so valuable because it taught me, A, how to work within a much bigger organization. It taught me how to manage and write a PL, you know, a, a, a budget, basically. It taught me how to lead and direct others. And it helped me with new business because it was, I was kind of incubated. I was going out and trying to collect new business, even though it was all on campus, it was for the academic units. And just like finishing that billboard series, I looked around, I was on the PR council, the branding committee, the, I was part of president samples leadership committee council at that time, helping, you know, realize USC's president's vision and, and really Basically, I think at the top of the rung I could get to, and I said, why do I feel unfulfilled? What is it about where I am, given where I've been, that I still feel unfulfilled? And what I landed on was I have this entrepreneurial spirit, and I want to try to create opportunities for others, especially other creative professionals, which is why I found it unincorporated under this belief and this vision that I could build the ideal agency and bring more light and more prosperity to others while in service of higher education. It, you know, it's hard to change a mindset. I don't think it matters what higher ed campus you're on, you know, uh, to be able to do some things. And I, and I had another interview uh, with somebody who worked in higher ed and, and, you know, that's a comfortable world to be in if, if you're happy with being comfortable. But it sounds like you weren't comfortable uh, being in that, and, and you did want more. Uh, I, I'm going to stop short here because I've got to rewind back to: Did your dad ever get a chance to to see where you're at? And did he did he end up, you know, eating his words of 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 of, of what you're able to do? Oh, uh, Nate, you're so good, and you are <laughs> really just—I don't know what it is—but you are very very intuitive. So the two biggest fights I ever had with my dad, one was about going from architecture to art. The second one, what do you think it was? Leaving, Leaving a comfortable USC. USC. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And God bless him. God rest his soul. You know, when he was in hospice, he, he pulled me to the side. And he said, Ian, I just want you to know that I'm so glad you proved me wrong. And I'm so glad that you didn't take my advice and you didn't settle. So, yeah, I think he, he was very proud. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, this is, this is, I have children. Do you have kids? I've got two kids. Yep. Yeah. So this, yeah. this is a great reminder, I think, to all of us who are parents that sometimes it's that kind of righteous rebellion that our, that our kids are feeling that we, we have to embrace um, and put, you know, our wisdom and our expertise. It's difficult to know when, but from, from my experience with my dad, I think he regrets 
not supporting me earlier. And I think he had a lot of regret on not believing in me that I could, that I could do what I planned and what I, what I saw I was capable of. Well, I, I appreciate you giving me the response. And, you know, it is, I, I think parents do want what's best for their kids, you know, long, a big picture, but, you know, sometimes uh, parents don't see things in kids that maybe kids don't even see in themselves that they end up, you know, subconsciously coming through and, and, and accomplishing. But, you know, when, when you look at leaving USC and, and there were some stops along the way that got you to where you're at right now uh, with unincorporated as, as the founder, as a CEO, and, and as the kid looking in that, sitting in that car, looking at a billboard, you know, thinking to you getting to this spot that you're at in your life, um, you know, what reflection do you have on, on this adventure? Well, lots, right? I mean, where do you, where do you start right. in terms of reflecting? I, I think fundamentally, one point I want to emphasize is that education has been the key. Uh, through That's been the, the thread. You know, with all the pivots and all the changes, education is the primary means of ascension. And so that realization and that reflection that is paramount to why I do what I do today. That is paramount to why our number one value at the agency is on knowledge. It's because that you have to be a perpetual learning machine. And with that, you can ascend. You can you know, travel and transpose yourself into any environment, any social circle through knowledge through the pursuit of education. So I, if there's one thread and one thing to highlight in terms of a reflection, I would say it, luckily I had that in me. I don't know, that was probably just a gift given to me at birth, right? There's the genetic information and the extra genetic information. And I think somewhere in my genetic code was this pursuit of education, survival or not, that has been that unifying thread throughout all of it. Well, Ian, it's it's a great story to hear, but you know, I know you're not done yet. What what is still yet to accomplish for you uh, in your as you look at at where you've been and and where things are going? What what are you still hoping to accomplish or know you're going to accomplish as as life moves forward? Yeah, thank you for that that question and the opportunity to cast a little more vision here. So. On, on a personal front, I have three books that are um, outline format. I'm f- into the hundredth page on my first manuscript, my first book. It's called The Zen of Design. And it's basically built around a thesis that to be an ultimate creative professional, to be a master of design, you also need to be a master of Zen philosophy. So things like non-attachment. You see that Buddha says ego is a source of all suffering. And so to free yourself, you have to let go. This is exactly what designers and creative professionals face on a day-to-day basis, right? right? If you go into a client meeting with an idea and an attachment to that idea, you will suffer. (laughs) So that's a, a project that I'm working on now and finishing. I have two that are kind of queued up behind that. Uh, so the, so the book, a series is really important to me. I will continue to teach others. So my work at Cal State LA uh, is unfinished. I th- see myself in five to 10 years from, from here, uh, continuing to consult in the education space. 
continuing to teach, obviously continuing to learn, but I want to get more thought leadership, more written word out and published as part of that plan. Well, I'll put all your connections for your, for your podcast and your website and your social media. I'll put that all in the show notes, but thank you. Awesome story. Awesome. Uh, awesome climb to, to, to where you're at. Uh, and again, appreciate the time uh, for being with us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate the attention and also the intuitive line of questioning that you provided along the way. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Thank you. And thank you for listening and being on this journey. And please subscribe and share this podcast. That's a job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast is presented by Career Adventure Academy and the College and Career Discovery course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.